Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Hello and welcome to Nick's Nerd News. I'm your host, Nick, as is what you've come to expect around here. I, I know all of you are not shocked to hear my voice on a weekly basis. And uh, for those of you in the United States, it is Thanksgiving week. Uh, in four short days, we will be celebrating, I don't even know what anymore at this point, because it's just turned into a corporate holiday as as ha- has every other holiday in America. Granted, we're somewhat celebrating the arrival of the, uh, what, could be considered religious refugees coming to America from from Great Britain, if <laughs> if you want to look at it that way, uh, and uh, their celebration of unity with uh, the Native Americans here. Granted, a lot of that stuff is all relative and lost to history. Not really. I mean, we know a lot of the facts, and there's a lot of things to 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 question about the holiday, but to, to be also aware of, uh, when, when saying things, but anyway, let, let's, uh, let's, uh, forget about that. Cause this isn't a history podcast, you know, Nick's history news isn't, isn't, uh, isn't a thing yet, <laughs> but, uh, let's, uh, let's get right into it, huh? Shall we? With video games first, as always, how about that, huh? So, Fallen Order, been playing that a lot lately. Uh, somehow that game has been able to hook me more than some of my other recent ones. And uh, it's a very well-crafted game. Uh, graphics are, are phenomenal. I think I said that last week as well. It plays very well. Uh, it's still very, very reminiscent of uh, The Force Unleashed, like like I mentioned. And I'm, I'm getting a little better at, at parrying and, and dodging and things like this. And hopefully when I finally go back to Sekiro... Uh, this th- playing this game will, will help me <laughs> a bit with that, uh, as I have not played Sekiro in quite a while. But that is definitely something I'm playing right now, and uh, I, I don't have a final review for you guys yet, just because, like I said, things have gotten in the way. But if I were to score it based off what I've put into it, definitely giving it like an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, that could change, obviously, depending on how the story goes from here and other things, so... We'll see. Biggest gaming news of probably the year at this point. Steam is releasing a new Half-Life. But it's not Half-Life 3. <laughs> uh, new game is called Half-Life or VR Half-Life Alex. Uh, takes place between 1 and 2. It is expected to drop in March of 2020. So I'm sure a lot of people are now deciding if they're going to do Half-Life or Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, this game um, was rumored earlier in the week, then it ended up getting announced officially, and uh, kind of surprising. I, I didn't think a new Half-Life game was in development. Steam had pretty much, not Steam, well, I, I keep saying Steam, Valve, this is all Valve, Valve who owns Steam. Uh, Valve had kind of been saying like they didn't want to make games anymore, and don't expect Half-Life 3, and all this other, you know, bunk nonsense, but... Looks like it's happening. So if you are VR capable, 
uh, or have uh, don't know if it's going to be on Oculus Quest though. Um, so that that's going to be a thing that's happening. Uh, glad you guys uh, waited so long. For those of you who are big big um, fans of Half Life, I know there's a lot of people out there. So that is what's uh, what's happening there. Also last week, we got an announcement for the Game Awards. Game Awards are in December, so we do know all the, essentially all of the nominees. I'm just going to read off a couple of the major uh, uh, categories, at least to me. Uh, Game of the Year, some surprises here. Control, Death Stranding, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Resident Evil 2 Remake, that's a surprise, Sekiro, and The Outer Worlds. A lot of people are questioning the Death Stranding thing, mainly because Jeff Keighley has such a close relationship with uh, Hideo Kojima, so it seems kind of weird. Uh, granted, he has clarified he does not take part in nominations. Those are all voted on by the public. Uh, what's more interesting is it's one of the few games that's been kind of uh, hit or miss with just about fans and critics. It's not universally beloved like some of the other ones. So that's why it's a little odd to see it on the list for Game of the Year. Uh, best Game Direction, Control, Death Stranding, RE2 Remake, Sekiro, and Outer, Wi Outer Wilds, not Outer Worlds. That's an indie game. Uh, best Performance, Ashley Birch in The Outer Worlds, Courtney Hope in Control, Laura Bailey in Gears 5, Mads Mikkelsen in Death Stranding, Matthew Peretta in Control, and Norman Reedus in Death Stranding. See, I'll, I'll give them that. Those are probably some of the best performances I've seen. Best Ongoing Games, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy XIV, Fortnite, and Rainbow Six Siege. And if Siege doesn't win, I'd, I don't see why not. It's been... That's a surprising thing that's been going on for as long as it has. Uh, best Indie Games, Baba Is You, Disco Elysium, uh, Catan Zero... Outer Wilds, an untitled goose game, which I'm pulling for, if you ask me. And uh, best action game, Apex Legends, Astral Train, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Devil May Cry 5, Gears 5, nice shout out, did not expect that there, and Metro Exodus. Uh, granted, again, like I said, this, these are only six, uh, six categories out of, I think there's like 20 of them, so you guys can see those online. What I'm very uh, shocked to see, though, is Control. Control is a game that uh, didn't sell well by any means, but that, that's okay. It's a really great game. It's Remedy. You guys know I talked about it a lot. I had a lot of fun with that game. Uh, it's definitely something you guys should check out if you've liked the other Remedy games in the past. Um, but that that's what's going on with the Game Awards. If you guys are big fans of racing games, Toyota is back. After uh, a long absence, I think it's been a few, quite a few years, uh, the last game was in, uh, the last car to be in a game I think was Gran Turismo in 2015, if, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, uh, their first time back in gaming is with the 98 Supra RZ, and it's coming to Forza Horizon 4. I, actually, I, I think it's out already, if I'm not mistaken. So if you do have Forza Horizon 4 on PC or Xbox, you will be uh, confirmed to uh, be able to get a Toyota Supra a 98 version, uh, the RZ model. 
so it, it they're back, baby. Toyota's back after being weirdly absent for for quite a while. Uh, moving on, uh, Stadia. Google Stadia has launched with a thud, effectively. Apparently, their pre-order numbers did not meet expectations. A lot of users are frustrated with with some of the services. Apparently, it's it's not getting hitting 4K on on some devices. It's just not doing as well as everyone had thought. And granted, it, it's not for everyone. You know, some people still want a traditional gaming service. There was some uh, some confusion in regards to how it works and and other things. And it's just, I'm not surprised. I'm really not. I'm sure we'll learn more as as the weeks go on. But yeah, Stadia did not launch with a bang, but a thud. Yeah, so not unexpected. Uh, This is something that kind of flew under the radar last week. And uh, just because we had so much to talk about, I kind of pushed it to this week. But Frontier announced a new expansion for Jurassic World Evolution. Return to Jurassic Park. This had been rumored for quite a while, actually. If you followed any of the uh, Jurassic Park fandom, you'd know that uh, there'd been hints at a Return to Jurassic Park DLC coming to Jurassic World Evolution for some time. This time it's now confirmed. It does drop in December. And it uh, will have new maps, new uh, dinosaur skins that match closely to the original film. You have buildings that will match the original film, like the original Visitor Center, and uh, fencing, all kinds of stuff. It looks really awesome. Uh, original Raptors, original T-Rex. I can't fucking wait, I'll tell you that. I'm stoked. I love this game, and I already love um, I already love a lot about it, and I'm, I'm happy they're bringing back stuff from the first movie, because without that first film, I wouldn't be a fan of, of dinosaurs or anything like that in general. So I'm happy they're honoring it in a great way. The original voice cast is, or a voice cast, the original cast is back uh, portraying their characters in the game. Obviously, there's no uh, Richard Attenborough uh, playing uh, Hammond, as uh, he did pass away a number of years ago. But at least we have something. And it's fitting, essentially, since all of them are coming back for Jurassic World 3. A new patent was released. Uh, well, released, I should say, was filed in regards to the new PlayStation 5 controller. Not a major departure from PlayStation 4. It does look to be a little bit bigger than than the DualShock 4, which is good, because uh, one of my chief complaints with the, the PS4 DualShock 4 is it's a little too small, especially for someone with larger hands like me. And it does uh, seem to get rid of the light bar on the back. Uh, it is going to go with USB-C charging, and the triggers, um, I mean, not totally triggers, but the triggers seem to be uh, a little bit larger. And kind of goes with what Wired had said about the controller. Uh, not not much has changed other than like adding the USB-C, which is a good thing as everything moves to USB-C, more uniform. And that's really the only thing to look at. There were some images of it, but again, it doesn't look any different than the DualShock 4, other than maybe the joysticks look a little more different, they're a little more contoured, but the DualShock 4 has very contoured ones as well. Uh, So that's something to look forward to at some point in the future when the PS5 gets officially announced uh, with images. I mean, it was officially announced, but like with images and pricing and and things like this. Um, Amy Hennig, who you guys might know, 
Uh, she used to do stuff at Naughty Dog for Uncharted. Then she went on to form that studio at EA for Star Wars. But now uh, she's actually joining Skydance Media, uh, who you might know for making the Terminator movies as well as the uh, Mission Impossible films. Uh, it will be she'll be overseeing a interactive series that will be for gamers and non-gamers, and said it's to create inviting and innovative experiences that Skydance is known for in features and television. The interactive media landscape is continually changing, and Amy and Julian are creative and visionary leaders of this evolution, says the media, uh, the e CEO of Skydance. Together, we will create within this new sphere the same type of event-level entertainment experiences that Skydance is known for in features and television. Julian and I are thrilled to be part of the Skydance creative team and excited to partner with Skydance to explore new this new frontier in entertainment while pioneering new ways to tell immersive stories through technology, says Hennig. And that is... Uh, Good on her. Good on her. As she's been bouncing around the games industry for quite a while at this point. Out of uh, Redmond, the software giant Microsoft and Xbox announced that Project Scarlet is aiming to support their Play Anywhere initiative, which is uh, if you buy a game essentially made by them and you purchase it through them, you can play it on PC, Xbox, everything, uh, as all their games are Play Anywhere titles at this point. Halo... Forza, things like this. So you can expect that. What is this? Um, a new Saints Row game is expected to be revealed at some point in 2020. Not sure how that is going to go over. I know that THQ Interactive is, is hard at work. Or THQ Nordic, excuse me, is what they're called now. Is hard at work on the next franchise. Excuse me, next game in the franchise. I'm not able to speak properly today. It's been a while. <laughs> Uh, Trover Saves the Universe, the game from Justin Roiland, which was originally a VR and PlayStation exclusive, will be releasing on Switch uh, this month and Xbox next month. So, if you like Rick and Morty and you like that kind that type of humor, you can get just uh, Trover Saves the Universe on Switch or Xbox if you have not already gotten it on PC or on PlayStation VR. That game is hilarious, by the way. Like, if you wanted to play a Rick and Morty video game without Rick and Morty, that, that's essentially what it is. Uh, Sword and Shield has been announced as the fastest-selling Switch, Switch game. Uh, it beat out Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It sold 6 million copies in its first week. Super Smash only sold 5 million in its first week. Granted, this is two games, technically, so understandable. Rumors of a... Uh, Resident Evil 3 remake in the works, uh, especially after the success of Resident Evil 2 remake, uh, is expected to drop sometime in 2020, though no confirmed work or anything else like that on, uh, on the horizon. So don't be expecting too much. Uh, and then final bit of gaming news here. Microsoft is in early talks for Project X Cloud exclusives, which to me is a little odd. I'm not sure how you would uh, have exclusives for, for Project X Cloud. I just, um, I don't know. That's something that 
I, I don't see how that would work because I mean that means it'd have to be exclusive to Xbox as well. So I'm not sure. Not sure how that would work. Be interesting though to see that. So you'd have to buy it on Xbox, I'm guessing, and then you'd only be able to play it on the world. Like, like that doesn't make sense. Wouldn't it just be a, a Xbox exclusive then? I'm I'm really confused. Really confused by the whole thing. Probably. I don't know. Weird. Weird to me. Let's move on to TV news, though. Uh, the Amazon Lord of the Rings show has gotten an early renewal for season two before the first episode even airs to the public. So that means they have pretty high confidence in it, uh, kind of going back with the rumors that they were going to commit to the show for five years. I mean, they did pay a lot of money for the rights, so got to get your money's worth, right? Uh, the sequel series to Vikings, the History Channel show, Val, uh, which will be called Valhalla, will premiere on Netflix in the future. This one is set about 100 years after Vikings and will focus on Leif Erikson, people like this, uh, King William the Conqueror. Uh, so if, if you are a fan of the show Vikings, I'm sure you'll be a fan of the show Valhalla and you'll be able to watch it on Netflix. Uh, the Stargirl show, which is set to premiere on DC Universe next year, has announced uh, that the day after airing on DC Universe, it will air on CW, which kind of goes back to rumors saying that it was going to get moved from DC Universe straight to uh, the CW, and they said it wasn't, and now it looks like it's going to be on both. So technically, they were both right. Hey, yeah, rumors are half true, half wrong. So there's that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing for the show, or they don't have... I mean, yes, it's a way to get DC Universe subscribers, but at the same time, it's like, why get it if you can just watch it on the CW the next day? So, maybe they don't have as much confidence in the show as they thought. I'm not sure. For those of you loving The Mandalorian, and we will be talking about Episode 3 at the end of today's episode, but uh, I'm sure most of you are aware by now, uh, minor spoilers here at this point. If you live on the internet, I'm sure you already know, though, like I said. It is uh, no surprise that Disney is going to make sure that there is Baby Yoda merch available for the holidays. Yes, it will be available in time. You will be able to get some Baby Yoda merch to wear, show off, what, whatever, whatever you want to do with it. It will be available. Um... Got some clarification on the Arrow spinoff show, uh, which is going to be called um, Green Arrow and the Canaries, I think is what they said. Uh, it will be uh, set in 2040. The backdoor pilot will be episode 9 of season 8, and it will not feature Oliver, surprisingly. I don't know how you have a whole episode of the final season of Arrow and not have Oliver in it. Uh, that's a separate issue entirely, though. But that will serve as the backdoor pilot. I guess it's not going to be affected by Crisis or anything else, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, you'd think that that future would be eradicated with them coming to the past and trying to change things to a degree. Um, but we'll see how that uh, turns out in reality. And uh, that's it for TV. Like I said, we'll review the episode 3 of The Mandalorian at the end of, uh, at the, end of the episode. That's it for TV news, 
Yeah, we're just blowing through stuff this week. Uh, hey, for your holiday, that way you don't have to spend too much time listening to me. Uh, Netflix, uh, as usual, has announced what's leaving and what's coming this month uh, for December, as uh, as always. Uh, joining on the 1st of December is all three Austin Powers movies. On the 4th, a new season of Magic for Humans, which is a really funny show. Uh, the final season of Fuller House will premiere on December 6th. Magician Season 4, if you did not watch it on Sci-Fi earlier this year, will premiere on December 16th. The Witcher series premieres December 20th, because some big competition with Star Wars there. Uh, Lost in Space Season 2 will premiere December 24th, Christmas Eve. And then on the 31st of December, uh, uh, all of the Pierce Brosnan 007 James Bond films will be on Netflix. Leaving Netflix next month, a lot of nature documentaries, including Blue Planet 2 and Planet Earth 2, are leaving on the 1st. Shocking there, actually. On the 4th, Thor Ragnarok will be leaving. Uh, Christmas Day, Anthony Bourdain, seasons, uh, Parts Unknown, seasons 7 through 11 are leaving, including The Last Jedi. And on the 31st, we're losing quite a bit of movies. Uh, Black Hawk Down, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, all of Frasier, Rockies 1 through 5, Pulp Fiction, and Schindler's List. So if you do want to watch those movies, make sure to get them in before the end of the year. So uh, next up now, we're going to be talking about movies. Got a little bit more news here regarding movies. Uh, this week was a movie-heavy week. Uh, the Bob's Burgers movie is still happening, despite uh, Disney removing it from their upcoming schedule. The, the show's creator uh, urged everyone to stay calm. This is not as big of a deal as you think. Uh, just moving some things around. Uh, Daniel Craig was being interviewed and, and confirmed that No Time to Die will be his last Bond film in any capacity. He's not going to come back to direct. He's not going to come back to produce. He's not going to do anything. He is done with playing Bond. Do not expect him back in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Palm Clementif, known uh, for playing Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy in the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame movies, is joining the Mission Impossible series. She will be in the next two films. Uh, no word yet on release dates or anything like that, uh, or her character, but she will be in them. Despite some rumors you might have heard this past week, Joker 2 is not happening. Uh, director Todd Phillips said that uh, while, while Keen and I have talked about it, and while touring the world with Warner Brothers executives, going to Toronto, Venice, other places, of course, we're sitting at dinner and they're saying, so have you thought about it? But talking about contracts, there's not a contract for us to even write a sequel. We never approached Joaquin to be in a sequel. Will that happen? Again, I just think that the article from The Hollywood Reporter was anticipated anticipatory at best um, they also said that Phillips had pitched other DC movies uh, he did say when I pitched Joker it wasn't a movie it was let's do a whole label they shut down th they shut that down quickly and I get it who am I to walk in and start a label at a film studio but they said let's do this one so let's all tone down the rumors here let's all sit back and just think yes it's made a billion dollars Yes, it's going to be, it might possibly beat Aquaman. Um, I mean, it still needs $115 more million to beat Aquaman, but let, let's tone it down here a second. 
not every DC character or villain needs a gritty origin story like this. Yes, a penguin would do well to get one. Mr. Freeze, maybe not. Poison Ivy, probably not. Black Mask, probably. Carmine Falcone? I mean, it'd just be a mob movie at that point. So, Harvey Dent, maybe. I, it's just Joker and maybe Penguin are the only two people that this would fit to work with. The Riddler, possibly. But that's something something to consider. Uh, Frozen 2 came out this weekend uh, on Friday, two days ago. And it is now the biggest global animated opening weekend ever, taking in around $350 million worldwide. Uh, it's also one of the biggest November openings in the U.S. for an animated film. It took in around $120 million. So, pretty crazy. Now, who knows if it will make a billion dollars or more, uh, like the first one did. But it will be interesting to see what happens from there. Noah Hawley, the creator of... Uh, what was that show called? The, the X-Men show on FX. Legion, that's what it is. Uh, who's also the showrunner right now on the new upcoming season of Fargo, is in talks right now to write and direct a Star Trek IV film. Uh, that fourth film has been up in up in the air for quite a while now. It was um, it was rumored to be canceled because Chris Pine and all of the cast wanted more money. Uh, this is separate from the Tarantino film. Uh, there was word that that Shatner would come back in some capacity because it would involve a a time travel thing i you know which is funny because the original star trek 4 you know had to deal with time travel but it looks like this is leading to an official star trek 4 uh, i know into darkness did not do as well as they or not into darkness star trek beyond did not do as well as they had hoped uh, so we'll, we'll see how how things go in the future i, I do hope that um they get another one. I, I have been enjoying the, the newer ones. Uh, they're not for everyone, which, you know, makes sense. But it'd uh, be interesting to see if this actually comes out and see where the story actually goes uh, from where it ended with Beyond. I think we should go back to the Next Generation era and maybe a Next Generation film in in the Kelvin timeline. See how that would look. Or quite possibly just do something beyond Voyager. I mean, look, we're going back with Picard, and it doesn't hurt to, to go beyond that and, and see what the next generation of Starfleet officers could look like. It'd be nice to get a new captain that people could cheer for. I mean, I'm all for it. But let's, uh, let's go over to the other major star franchise in Star Wars. Uh, we are less than a month away from The Rise of Skywalker. And we're getting a lot of news coming out. A lot of stuff that I'm just not even going to waste time on talking about because a lot of it's just nonsense garbage that just all stupid shit that doesn't need to be wasted time on, at least in my opinion. Um, like what they think of what George felt about The Force Awakens, JJ's ideas for how this movie... Like, I, I don't care about a lot of that stuff. It's just like I just want to watch Star Wars, you know? Uh, the one thing that was interesting is they sat down with George a lot to talk about the rise of Skywalker, surprisingly. And Kathleen Kennedy um, opened up. She said it's an incredible challenge. She was talking with Rolling Stone. Uh, it's an incredible challenge, and it is something that we're in the middle of, and I can't even begin to tell you where this may end up. 
I think that whatever this next movie is and how it begins to define a new way forward, it's something we want to take plenty of time and plenty of conversation and careful thought before deciding exactly what we're going to do. We've got various things we're looking at and various ways in which we can begin or not. You know, do you go back? Do you go forward? All those questions are being asked. Do we stay in this galaxy? Do we go to another? The universe is never ending. The good news and the bad news. They have endless possibilities. It's liberating, it's exciting, and it creates a lot of pressure and anxiety as well. But that's really cool, and, and that gives me some hope. She did say one asinine thing, which doesn't make any sense in, in any way, shape, or form. And let me pull up that quote. She said that, uh, same Rolling Stone interview, Every one of these movies is particularly hard nut to crack. There's no source material. We don't have comic books. We don't have 800-page novels. We don't have anything other than passionate storytellers who get together and talk about what the next iteration might be. Now, look, I, I was very upset with this comment at first, and then I kind of sat back and realized, yes, it's one thing to jump and get angry at this, because like, well, hey, whoa, whoa, what about all the EU back stuff that you guys purged? That is a, a lot, a lot of story content and, mat and material, right? But if you think about it, they can't use a lot of that stuff in terms of working on The Rise of Skywalker. Because those were all set up post-Return of the Jedi. Those would have been a lot better when Force Awakens was coming. Or for new shows or, or other possible movies. So, I mean, it, it's it's a little... I mean, I don't Like, it was one thing to get rid of it completely. It's another to say things like this, and, and people need to look at it in context. Again, this is in terms of making The Rise of Skywalker, not the rest of what's ahead for Star Wars. I mean, she was ready to make a Old Republic movie, and that, that still could be coming. We, we just don't know yet. Um, so I, it, let, let's just tone it back a bit on that. Uh, speaking of that, though, also rumored that an announcement for the next Star Wars movie, which is expected to release in 2022, this is per The Hollywood Reporter, uh, claims that a director and uh, will be announced and possibly a title in January. So it's not part of the Ryan Johnson trilogy, which is still coming. Um, so, uh, now that the, the D and D are gone, the game of the game of Thrones creators. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, when this announcement is, is ex expected to be made in 2020. And again, her contract is up in 2021. So, so maybe some other announcements will be made, uh, between now and, uh, the end of next year. So, so we'll see. Uh, that's it for Star Wars news, though. Uh, kind of circling back to DC here for a second. Henry Cavill swears that he is still Superman. And uh, other than what reports say, he says, I've not given up the role. The cape is still in his closet. Uh, he was interviewing uh, with Men's Health. So, which is weird, because a lot of other DC news has been floating around lately, and uh, this is what he said. I'm not just going to sit quietly in the dark as all this stuff is going on. 
I've not given up the role. There's a lot I have to give for. There's a lot I have to give for Superman yet. A lot of storytelling to do. A lot of real, true depths to the honesty of the character I want to get into. I want to reflect the comic books. That's important to me. There's a lot of justice to be done for Superman. The status is, you'll see. So, I, I can't wait, because I actually like Cavill as Superman. He's one of my the best Supermans, in my opinion, in a long time. I did really enjoy Man of Steel. I've liked his portrayal in both Batman Superman vs. Superman and Justice League. I, I really hope that he's not done. Because while DC is moving forward with other aspects and different universes, I hope they still play along around in the the Snyderverse, as I'm going to just personally call it right now. I mean, they're moving forward with another Wonder Woman, Aquaman 2. The Flash movie is still coming. You know, Shazam takes place in that world. Black Adam will. So I'm hoping that it, it's not completely abandoned. And I, I hope, I please God, I hope... Ben Affleck comes back to do Batman at least one more time before he gets too old. But then again, too old in, in today's sense is, is a more relative term than anything. Um, but who knows? Uh, the Rock has uh, seemingly confirmed himself that the, the Justice Society of America will play a part in the first Black Adam movie in, in some sense. Uh, so that means that Maybe this movie will not take place in current day, but will take place in the past. Granted, Black Adam, uh, the ruler of Kondok, became, uh, had the, gained the power of Shazam, as I confusedly talk here, centuries prior uh, to the 19th and 20th centuries, if my comic book understanding is correct. Maybe they'll change it up a bit for the, for the movie, who knows. But it would be interesting to see the Justice Society of America on screen, they were the team of superheroes in the 1940s in the World War II era and current continuity. So Stargirl, uh, the Green Lantern, Alan Scott, uh, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, things like this. And then uh, more casting news for the Batman, the film being directed by Matthew Reeves. John Turturro has been cast as Carmine Falcone. And if that's not the best casting news I've heard in a long time, then... I don't know what else to think, but that he's the perfect person to play a mob boss. I am very excited, and this makes me just more hyped for the film after some of the more recent casting news that I'm not 100% on board with. But uh, if John Turturro is Carmine Falcone, sign me the fuck up. That's for damn sure. And uh, before we get into the review of Mandalorian Episode 3, uh, we're buttoning up the show here. Uh, Disney apparently is looking to make SUV-sized drones that look like X-Wings to fly around their Galaxy's Edge Park at uh, Walt Disney World. Wonder how the fuck that's going to work. And I guess that uh, <laughs> Tesla announced their new Cybertruck, the future of trucks. And it does look like a low-polygon vehicle that came straight out the 90s. I don't, I don't, I don't know who decided to think this was a good idea. Hilarious, by the way. Um, hilarious memes of this thing. Uh, he tweeted out, "Nobody expects the Cybertruck." Followed by Cyberpunk 27, 2077 tweeting back, "We had a deal, Elon." And then he said, "See in 2077." A lot of people have been posting, looking like it looks like a game straight out of the PlayStation One era. Um, some people are like, oh, I drew that car when I was seven. 
and <laughs> there was one tweet where it looks like it's out of the the PS1 Lara Croft Tomb Raider games. Uh, he did ed- eventually tweet because some people say it looks a lot like uh, the Warthog. So I <laughs> it's it's hilarious. It's just hilarious, by the way. Um, he did tweet out that it was inspired by games like the Halo White Warthog. So makes sense because it looks like it. Um, but he did get uh, over 100,000 pre-orders for the vehicle. So despite the fact that it caused him to lose a lot of stock or uh, uh, value of his stock and things like this, people are still signing up for this car. It starts at $40,000, I think. Uh, and it, he put out a video where it beats a F-150 like big time. Like this F-150 did not stand a chance against the power of the new Tesla Cybertruck. Um, so be on the lookout for that. That effectively ends this week's episode of Nick's Nerd News. I hope you guys have an awesome Thanksgiving. The show will post the day before. And uh, as always, check out nicksnerdnews.com. You can find uh, the show there uh, to listen to in your browser. Or if you prefer to listen on the go, there's links to our Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast page. Also on nixnerdnews.com, you can find all of our social media feeds. So if you want to see them all in one handy place, you can. Or you'll find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Uh, so that way you guys can take a follow and take nerd, Nick's Nerd News with you wherever you go and, and, and keep updates on the show. Uh, anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're going to talk about some spoilers about Mandalorian Episode 3. I know by the time you listen to this, we're two days away from Episode 4. But that way, it will be fresh in your mind. So, I am going to not talk here for a second, just to let others be done with the episode, so you guys can go on your merry way. Otherwise, if you stick around, the spoilers start now. Mandalorian Episode 3 begins with Mando and Baby Yoda returning to the client. Uh, Some fun little scenes with Baby Yoda essentially grabbing for his, like, I don't know what you'd call it, like uh, some kind of lever with a ball on top. He unscrews it to put it in his mouth as any baby would. It's, it's really funny. Um, he brings the baby back to the client, played by Werner Herzog. And what's funny, uh, this was teased a while back, but we finally, finally know why that man was carrying an ice cream maker back in The Empire Strikes Back. And it turns out, it is some kind of storage device. As the client puts one on his desk, opens it up to reveal all the new Beskar that the Mandalorian has earned as payment, which he promptly turns in to brand new armor. Uh, we get to a look at some new scenes of flashbacks of him and uh, his interaction with battle droids. So it, it essentially shows that he is not uh, he was not born a Mandalorian, but it looks like he was probably adopted at some point. I'm, I'm sure we'll learn more as, as the episodes go on. Uh, anyway, he gets into this fight with... So the Mandalorians are hiding on this planet, essentially. The other ones. And they all come in to watch all this Beskar get made into armor. And he gets into this altercation with this badass-looking Mandalorian. Uh, actually voiced by uh, show creator John Favreau. Uh, turns out that Mandalorian's name is Paz Vizla, and if you know your Star Wars, 
Uh, John Favreau played a character named Prey Vizsla of Clan Vizsla in the Clone Wars, uh, leader of the Death Watch. So this character might be related to Clan Vizsla in, in some way. Uh, the Vizslas have been a, a, a longtime clan in Star Wars mythos. Anyway, they get into this argument and fight with vibroblades, which is one of the first times vibroblades have been seen on uh, vibroblades have been seen on screen in Star Wars. Granted, there were some vibroblades in uh, the second episode when he fights the Trandoshans. But anyway, uh, what 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 really is cool is we find out more about Mando culture, and they start quoting, uh, "This is the way." This is the way. All about their stuff. And it's probably my new favorite thing to say. A lot of us at work have been saying it to each other when it comes to things that are supposed to be done a certain way and things like this. And then at the end, it's like, I have spoken. So some new awesome phrases to add to the Star Wars mythos. Anyway, the Mandalorian gets this new armor. He goes to speak with uh, Carl Weathers, Weathers' character, Grief Karga. All this other nonsense happens. And uh, the Mandalorian... Uh, takes a new bounty to go hunt a uh, mandal, uh, not a Mandalorian, a Mon Calamari diplomat. Um, meantime, he complains about Imperials and things like this, and Grief Karga makes this joke about, what, are you going to go to the, the core and complain to the New Republic? Like, oh, well, that's interesting. Uh, seems like the New Republic is a joke five years after Return of the Jedi. Not unexpected. Anyway... Uh, as he's leaving the planet to go hunt his new bounty, he looks at his lever that's missing its its cap and thinks of the baby Yoda, essentially returns to the planet and barges in like a badass, takes out all the stormtroopers and steals baby Yoda back, uh, which goes into all these other cool scenes with he's got this special gun that shoots out like tracking bullets, uh, he uses his flamethrower, and as soon as he... Uh, rescues baby Yoda and steps outside, all the other bounty hunters uh, that are part of the guild get alerted to see that the, the bounty is back on the table. So it, uh, as the Mando starts walking through the city, he starts getting followed by all the bounty hunters, which turns into this epic like fight. He starts using his disintegration gun, takes out multiple dudes, and just when you think he's cornered, all of a sudden... You just see all these Mandos start fucking rocketing into the sky from, from the shadows. Start taking out all these other bounty hunters in this epic, like, western-style shootout. And they're just like, this is the way. Because they're defending their own. They're standing with each other. And he's like, but now the, now they'll, they'll, we'll have to move the clan. We'll have to hide again. And it's like, no, this is the way. We stand for each other. It just shows that not all Mandalorians are bounty hunters, which... You know, back that that was one of the things with the old canon is is bounty hunter or Mandalorians always tended to look like bounty hunters, and it, it's not the the reality of the situation, which is really fucking awesome. That scene was great, and then uh, the character voiced by John Favreau lands, and he's got this fucking Gatling gun, and he just goes just taking everybody fucking out. It's fucking sick. This awesome scene, like game changer, folks. Like, th this show, it, it, I hope it doesn't go down from here, because that just sets this new fucking precedent that I hope it, it sticks with for the rest of the season. Um, unfortunately, as of right now, there's no word on Boba Fett, and, uh, you know, I was looking at some stuff on Wikipedia recently, and I it, it's been made of my attention that 
I guess George Lucas made this change uh, back when the Clone Wars was airing, but Boba Fett and Jango are not officially Mandalorian anymore, which is some fucking bullshit if you ask me. That's infuriating. Like, George, why are you making these stupid-ass changes, bruh? Anyway, I'm not... That's a heated rant that I could spend forever talking about. Um, episode ends, though. Mandalorian's flying off with Baby Yoda, and then uh, John Favreau's Mandalorian character comes up with his jetpack and, like, salutes at him. And uh, the Mandalorian, it ends with the Mandalorian saying, I gotta get me one of those. So... That was a badass episode. It's probably the best episode of the series so far. Uh, it sucks that we're kind of in this half hour, 45 minute episode territory. I wish we could get a, a full hour like the first one. But uh, The Mandalorian's my new favorite show just in general overall besides it being Star Wars right now. And I'm very happy that Disney has put out some awesome fucking content like this. But that's it, folks. I have spoken. This is the way. Catch you on the flip side.